Welcome to the Messy Walk Podcast with Pastor Adam Cook, where our goal is to have a genuine and authentic conversation about the Christian faith journey and what a messy walk with Jesus really looks like. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us for the Messy Walk Podcast. This is Steph here with Pastor Adam. Hey, hey. We're so glad you're joining us. Last week we talked about anxiety and our series, An Honest Conversation About Mental Health. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so we were just kind of, it's a pretty big episode, pretty long episode. We were introing what anxiety really looks like. And so we talked through, if you want to go check this out, we talked through the fact that everybody is going to have some anxiousness and anxious thoughts and anxiety. That's a pretty normal piece of human behavior. Um, but what we were talking about in the episode was more of anxiety disorders and anxiety disorders coming from genetics, brain chemistry, neurological responses to trauma or environment and all those kind of things. And um, and so it was, we talked about the difference is, is that, so anxious, anxious thoughts that everybody's going to have is something that can be controlled and it usually has an expiration date, right? Like it comes and goes. But anxiety disorders are something that cannot be controlled. They don't have an expiration date, so they have to actually be managed. And so we mm-hmm. talked about the difference between those things. And, you know, and I shared and Stephanie shared and about uh, our issues with anxiety. Um, and, you know, I have... I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder before, so I know about what I'm talking about as well, um, and just how to how to go through that. And of course, the whole point of that episode was not to solve the issue of anxiety. Um, we're not equipped to do that. It was just to kind of start a discussion that should continue and needs to be ongoing. Um, and we've heard a lot of good feedback so far about this series, um, yeah. about talking about you know just just having this honest conversation about mental health. Um, has been, I mean, a lot of people obviously identify with it. And I, and I, I think we said this in the first episode that the, the church world in particular is much more open to talking about these things now, which is great. And so I hope, Steph and I hope that this will continue to be an ongoing conversation with you wherever you're at in this process and not something that we hide. In the church, this has been hidden a lot. Yeah. Um, and we, we place shame on people that struggle with mental health-related issues, which is ridiculous, right? Um and, and we place blame on it. We've said that it's all caused by sin and things like that, which is not true. So last week we were just talking a whole lot about, um, you know, that God doesn't see you as a project that is failing if you have a mental health issue, and especially if you have an anxiety disorder. He sees somebody that's worth dying for. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he's here to catch us when we're falling. Um, and because he he's our father, he loves us. And so... We want to kind of go into this week um, talking about, you know, if we're struggling with anxiety, then how do we respond, right? So we talked a lot about anxiety last week, and then this week, episode 134, is that right, Steph? Yep, 134. 134. This is just going to be things to help us fight anxiety. Um, you know, what do we do? So if you find yourself struggling with anxiety, whether that's been diagnosed or maybe you felt the need to go see someone through this podcast, that's great. Um, how do we respond if we're struggling with anxiety that feels like it might be something more than just anxiousness because of work or whatever, like it, there's an actual disorder or prolonged period of anxiety? What, what do we do and how do we respond? That's what we want to talk about today. So we're going to get into the Bible a little bit, and then we're going to give some real practical stuff at the end. This is Our go-to through this series has been to say, okay, there's two different groups of people when it comes to mental illness. 
um, those who struggle with mental illnesses, mental disorders, and then those who know someone who does. So what we've been trying to do in the series is make it practical and say, well, if you struggle, here's three things that can help fight this. And if you don't struggle but you know someone who does, here's three, four, or five things that you can do to help someone, you know, that kind of thing, right? So it applies to all of us because mental health issues, they, they affect everybody, whether you struggle with one or not. The odds are you know someone very close to you who does. And so we're going to make it practical in that way at the end of this episode. This one really just kind of flows from last episode to this. It probably should have just been one, but we know if we make an episode too long, everybody will stop listening through the middle of it. You know what I mean? So yeah. this is a continuation <laughs> of 133. So if, if you feel like, well, I want, to, I want to know more about anxiety. Well, we hit that in the last episode. So you got to go back and listen to that Which one. Which I loved that yeah. episode. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. Me too. I, I actually listened to that one already. Um, again, I always listen after it's over with, you know, and mm-hmm. I, I hate hearing myself speak on recordings. I'm like that too. Because cause you, don't, you, you don't think you sound like that. You know, and I don't think I sound that country and normal. And then when I hear myself, I'm like, oh, my goodness, I sound like a hick. You know what I mean? So, no. <laughs> I don't like to listen to myself. So, be comforted. We all sound I know, like that. Nobody you know likes I mean? to hear themselves. Yeah. And you know what's funny is, is I listen to myself on, on podcast recordings. I listen to myself preaching and those kind of recordings and um, ones that we do live, ones that we don't. And I've been, I've been doing it for years, and I still don't like the way I sound. You know what I mean? Like, it still surprises me every time. So it's just different. You hear yourself different than you actually – actually, other people would hear you. So Yeah. Um, but it is what it is. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's, who it's we how are. I talk. So right. um, that makes sense. That's what we're going to do today. So let's jump into, like, if we're struggling with anxiety, how do we respond? And I want to start by looking at a moment in the Apostle Paul's life because um, I think it helps us a whole lot. Um, so there's this there's this moment in the Apostle Paul's life, and we'll read the scripture in a second. So Stephanie's going to read Second Corinthians twelve. We're only going to read a couple of verses of it, so I'm going to kind of paraphrase the rest. Um, he he describes this thing in his life as this like thorn in his side, this direct attack from the enemy that's on his physical health. It, 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 he's talking about his. I believe he's talking about his physical health. Or that it's manifested into his physical health, and it's so it's it's crippled his effectiveness. It's caused enough pain for him to cry out to God on three different occasions, "Lord, please take this from me. Please take this from me. Please take this from me." Um, and I and I, I don't know. I I can feel that, yeah. Because right? there's been so many times with my anxiety that I have, um, and I and it's it's been with me since I was a kid. You know, late teens. That I've cried out to God multiple times, God, just please take this away. You know, I I shouldn't feel anxious about these things I feel anxious about, and it's hard to manage, and certain seasons is better than others, and it's just like, please take it away, please take it away, please take it away. And so whatever this thing is, Paul's been crying out about it, please take it away. We don't know what it is, and there's all kinds of speculation out there on what it is. I mean, it ranges from the craziest stuff ever. So, like, there's speculation that it was – some of you hate it when we talk like this, and it gets all weird, but um, – there's there's broad range speculation, like all the way on the far left, it's people speculating that it was homosexual tendencies, um, all the way to people speculating that it was his pride and arrogance. Um, there are lots of people that think it was something to do with mental health. Um, some people talk about maybe it has something to do with his physical health, like with with um, walk a walking problem, a leg problem, or. There's even people that suggest that it's some sort of speech impediment, which really doesn't fit Paul's bill, so that's probably not the case. And who who knows what it is, right? We don't know. But whatever it is, 
it's causing him to cry out to God about this like three different times. And I think it helps us a lot with how we should handle something like an anxiety disorder that is chronic and that we are constantly, you know, crying out to God about or, or needing reprieve from it, you know, needing to be relieved from that stuff. And so um, he cries out multiple times, and this is what you get back. And so he's he's telling he's not telling you what it is, but he's telling you what God says back to him. And it's real cool. So Steph's going to read Second uh, Corinthians twelve nine and ten. And the cool thing is, is that if you have a Bible in front of you, a paper Bible, yeah, like even electronic Bible, like Steph has. <laughs> All of a sudden, deep into the New Testament, way past Jesus' resurrection and ascension, um, when Paul replies back to this, it's Jesus replying to him. It's Jesus talking to him directly, um, which I think is really, really interesting. That's why this little first part is in red, um, because it's not just God in the distance somewhere. Um, it's it's like the person of Jesus is replying directly to Paul. It's pretty interesting, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is what Paul says back about these afflictions, and he's cried out to God three times, and he sort of gets a reply back. Here's the reply. Read the whole thing, Steph. Okay, and this is the NIV. Yep. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is a like. This is like a huge verse of the Bible. You know, I don't mean to diminish other other verses in the Bible, but there are some that are just like massive, and so. Whatever it is that Paul's struggling with, Jesus replies back and says, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, he says, I'm not going to take it away. Like, my grace is enough to cover all these things, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And I love this, right? Because you feel, especially in the anxiety issue, you feel super weak. Yeah. Right? And you want it to just be gone. But it's not one of those things that just disappears, right? You can't control it. You have, it doesn't have an expiration date. It has to be managed. And in this scripture, you see Jesus saying, look, my grace is enough to cover this, and and my power is made perfect in weakness. And so when we are weak, therefore we're strong. That's the that's the paradigm of Jesus' church, right? Like um, you see it so many ways in Christ's church that, that the kingdom of God is upside down. Yes. It's different, right? So um, Jesus says, you know, if you want to save your life, you lose it. Right, the the first shall be last, the last shall be first. It's this upside down I love thing that. in the kingdom yeah. of God. Right, if you're weak, then you're strong. If you're strong. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so that's really what's happening here. Once again, is Jesus is saying, "My power is made perfect in weakness." It's okay if you're weak, because in your weakness, I'm even stronger, um, which really helps me in my anxiety. Right? It, yeah. Because it, it, it's not something I can just get rid of. But God goes, "My grace will cover that." And my power can be made perfect in your weakness. And then it transitions in the verse where then Paul starts to talk again. And he says, that's why I'm going to boast and be more gladly. Like, I'm going to just share freely. Like, I'm not going to hide the fact that I have whatever this issue I have is. And so, like, like for me, I'm not going to hide the fact that I have an anxiety problem or disorder. Instead, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to highlight it. I'm going to share it. Um, because Christ's power can rest on me in my weakness. And so he says, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight when it's okay. Like, it's okay when I've got hardships, persecution, when people saying crap about me, when I got struggles and weaknesses, when my body's not perfect, when my mind's not perfect. It's okay because when I'm weak, 
I've got Jesus. Yeah. And so I'm strong. So even in us just talking about these things and displaying them and sharing with people that we struggle with a mental illness, in Christ we are strong because his his power is made perfect in our weaknesses, right? He covers all that. And so you don't have to hide it. You know, I think that's one of the biggest like like how to help fight anxiety. Don't hide it. Don't hide it at all. Instead, highlight it. Share, lead with the fact. Well, you know, I'm somebody who struggles with anxiety. Like I yeah. I say that I bet I say this like every 3 or 4 sermons that I preach. Um I mean it's about like I bet it's about once a month I will share that I struggle with anxiety. And depression, you know, and and the full. I'll, sometimes I'll share the full gamut of it, like we've done on this yeah. podcast. You know what I mean? And I appreciate that you'd share it so casually too, because I think it helps people feel comfortable to say, "Hey, I have that too," or yeah. "Hey, I have this," because there's nothing to be ashamed of. Exactly. Right. And I think that's what Paul's saying here is like when you got this thing that you can't you can't get rid of. Like it's you can't control. You can't just snap your fingers, right? Like we said on the episode before, somewhere in this is like, don't tell people to calm down or get over it. Yeah, you know, yeah, like you can't, you can't get over it, right? You can manage it, but you can't get over it. And so I, mm-hmm. Paul's going, I don't have to, I don't have to, because I can just, I can just walk in those weaknesses and those struggles, and Jesus's power is made perfect in that weakness. Like He covers me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and so what you see is, is that Paul had no control over his circumstances and whatever it was, in the same way that we don't have control over our mental illness, you know, our mental disorder, our, our, our mental incapacities, whatever they are. Yeah. We don't have control over them. The only thing we do have control over, and this is what you see transitioning here with Paul, the only thing we do have control over is how we respond to our struggle with mental health, you know, how we're going to respond with it, whether we're going to hide and act like it doesn't exist and pretend, or whether we're going to be bold and say we do struggle with it, whether we're going to turn that stuff over to God and realize that, it may not get cured and physically healed, but that does not mean that he does not his strength does not lie in us to be able to overcome it. Does that make that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And there's a big part of overcoming in the scripture that's not based on it being removed. It's based on well, God is strong enough in me that I can I can still be weak in this, and He can make me strong. You know what yeah. I mean? And I can overcome that. So there are moments when you feel like your diagnosis defines you. It defines who you are. That's one thing we've said repeatedly in this series is do not let your diagnosis define who you are and do not let it define define for other people who they are, right? That we are way more than, than that. And so um, you, you cannot let this define you, right? And so it's what you see happening with Paul there too is like he could let whatever this issue is define him, but he doesn't. What he does instead is he lets Christ define him, even in that weakness. Yeah. You know, even in those weaknesses. And so... I can if I if I know that Jesus defines who I am, then I can share the things that I struggle with, even if they are embarrassing or seen as weird in the culture. Like it's 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 seen by a lot of Christians weird that a pastor would stand up and say, "I'm anxious, I'm on medication, I go to therapy." Right? It can be seen as weird, but if Jesus defines who I am, then and that, that means that's not who I am. And it doesn't matter whether somebody else sees it as weird or strange or whatever, because Jesus is who I'm looking for to define me. Um, and, and the cool thing about this right here, and I think this helps a lot too, just another helpful thing um, to fight anxiety, is that Paul's first response with whatever this struggle is, is prayer. 
his first response is, I'm going to take this to God. I'm struggling with this. I'm going to take this to God. And I think a lot of times the enemy likes to give us shame about mental health issues, so much so that it's not that we just won't talk to other people. It's that we won't even talk to God about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I totally get that. Because yeah. we feel we feel shameful. We almost feel like like the enemy has a way of making us feel like, no, this is a lack of faith. That's why you that's why you're worried. That's why you're anxious. You know what I mean? Um and in this case it's not. You know, it, it's not a lack of faith. Um it's a it's a it's a it's a actual disorder. You know what I mean? And so the enemy wants you to kind of hide that and, and and so we don't even not share it with other people. We won't even share it with God. We won't even open it with God and go, My Thoughts are racing. My anxiety's out of control. You know, we'll just keep it to ourselves. And what you see Paul doing with this thing three times, right? So obviously it ain't, you know, it's not just going away. It's repetitive. Is the first thing he does is he takes it in prayer. And so this is something I want everybody to realize that God wants you to share with him everything. The little stuff, the big stuff, the whatever, right? And so here's a big statement for you. If, If it's important enough to worry about, then it's important enough to pray about. Mm-hmm. If you find yourself worrying about anything, you should pray about it instead. Yeah. And, and it doesn't mean that the worry is going to go away. I'm just saying that you have a you have a Savior who covers you with his power even in your weaknesses. More so is what that scripture says, in your weaknesses. And so if it's, if it's big enough in your life for you to worry about, you should pray about it. Right. Yeah. You should bring it to God. Don't be, you know, like, and I, it's like little things, you know, it's like, how many times do we worry about something that's small and we think that it's too little to take to God in prayer? Like we were just talking, me and Steph were just talking about, um, uh, our car broke down like a month ago, right. And it's dead. It's done. Steph's car broke down recently. It's not dead. It's not done. It's going to be fixed. Right. But, it, but you get anxiety about stuff like that. Yeah. You know, you're like, Oh my God, please. I, I can't afford this. I, this. I I ain't got time for this crap. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. you, and you start to worry about it, right? Little things like that. Well, if it's if it's big enough to worry about, then it's big enough to pray about. Yeah. And so take it to the Lord in prayer, right? Choose what you do with this anxiety. You can hide it from people and from God, or you can take it to God and boast in that weakness with people. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a way you approach it. And so his first response is to pray, and I think that it's good for us to remind ourselves that if it's important enough for us to worry about, which can be very small things and very big things, then it's important enough to pray about. See, the enemy wants you to be defined and destroyed by whatever issues you have. That's his goal. Um, one of my favorite verses of all time is John 10.10. 10. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this one by heart. Do you have it pulled up, Seth? Yes. Um, I know it by heart. I, I, this is one of my favorite verses of all time. Say it. Say it. Oh, you want? I was going to see if you're going to quote it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You want to test me? <laughs> yes. This, the enemy comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus says, "I come that you may have life and have it to the full." Yes. Or you may have abundant life. It's diff- various different versions of it, right? Yeah. Um, did I miss anything? Well, steal came before kill, but it don't matter because oh, it's the same go. thing. <laughs> We'll take it. We'll take it. Yeah, that's one of my favorite verses ever because in that verse, Jesus tells you who the enemy is and what he does. And at the same time, he tells you who I am and what I do. And and all the enemy is is a counterfeit. Everything he does is counterfeit. Everything. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And then what Jesus is trying to do is so the enemy's trying to kill you. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to destroy you. He's trying to get you to be defined by whatever struggles you have, right? Keep Be full of shame from that and let it destroy your life, right? He wants to make sure that that anxiety disorder that you have destroys your life. Yeah. What Jesus says is, I come that you may have full life, real, true, genuine life. And that doesn't mean that those issues are going to fall away. It means that Jesus is powerful powerful, and it's perfect in those circumstances. And you can have real, genuine life and be defined by him, not by whatever disorder you have. You know what I mean? And I think that is so important for us to remember. Like, you didn't choose to have anxiety, but you do get to choose what you do with it. And in Jesus, you get to choose what you do with that anxiety. You didn't choose to have it. Nobody would pick to have an anxiety disorder. Like, nobody's going to line up and go, you know what? I'd really like an anxiety disorder in my life. You know, I'm going to sign up for one of those. Yeah, like when you're born, you're like touching it with your foot. Anxiety. (laughs) I'll pick that. (laughs) Nobody's going to Amazon and going, hmm, let's see. uh, I got a gift card from Christmas. Let me order some anxiety, right? (laughs) Nobody's doing that. But you do get to choose what you do with it. Um, you get to choose whether it defines you. You get to choose whether you hide it. You, you get to choose whether you boast in those weaknesses. You get to choose whether or not you take it to God in prayer. You get to, to, choo- you get to choose whether or not Jesus is powerful in your weaknesses or not. Like, you get to pick that. Um, it, it, you don't get to pick whether you have it or not, but you get to choose what you do with it. And I think we have to remind ourselves that with anxiety, because anxiety will tell us that we have no, we have no hope, we have no choice, Right, we're just kind of it just attacks us. Um, but instead, what Jesus is saying was, y- y- you can't, you know, you didn't pick it, but you can pick what you do with it. You can pick whether it becomes a tool for you, um, and and I'm and my power starts to be shown through it. Um, and you can choose whether I define you or not. And we we can't let it ruin our lives. Um, I mean, we can. You you can choose to let anxiety disorder ruin your life. Um, you can choose to let it keep you isolated and scared of everything. You like ruminating. On you know what I mean? Thought, like, yeah, yeah. It, it, obsessing. Yeah. Um, you know, just constant like fatigue from worrying, and and you know, you can let it um, keep you from forming real friendships, yeah. real relationships. Um, you can keep it. You can let it. You can choose to let it uh, make you hide from other people. Right, so that nobody knows the real you, um, or we can allow God to make something beautiful out of it. And I, I think that's what really is happening in that scripture from Paul is that God's making something beautiful out of whatever that weakness is, whatever that issue is, um, and we can do the same thing. Like God can make something beautiful out of it. You know, yes, I'm an anxious person. Um, that's that's me. It's been me for my most of my life, but I am an anxious person who is open with it allows Jesus to be seen through it, and um, and there's conquering and overcoming in that. doesn't mean that it goes away. It just means that um, his powerful power is made perfect in my weakness. And you can use your you can use your anxiety disorder in a beautiful way that helps other people yeah as well. You know what I mean? Um, there's a if you'll open up with your weaknesses in whatever they are or your issues or your disorders, there is a commonality that is created with people. That's what you just said a minute ago. Like you appreciated me doing that in such a casual way because it helps other people 
I don't know, speak more freely about it in general. You don't right? have to have like some speech ready. You can just talk yeah. about it. Yeah, and and everybody like I think sometimes the enemy wants you to think that you don't have an audience that nobody's listening to you or paying attention to you. And that's just totally not true. Yeah. Like every if you're a Christ follower, um, every Christ follower has people around them that are looking at them, to them. They may not tell you, but they're watching what you do. They're listening to what you say. Um, that there are people that you are meant to reach in this world for Christ. Yes. You know what I mean? That's true. And I see so many people starting to use their voice more um, to reach people that maybe someone else cannot reach. Yeah, I agree. And that's, you know, social media has become stupid in lots of ways, but it's also can be a powerful tool as well. Yes. Like everybody, everybody's got a platform. And so you can use that platform for good or you can use it for bad. And um, everyone's got a story. Everybody's got a story, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the cool thing about Christianity is that every like every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to God. Every story. And God also places you in, in positions with groups of people, individual people, that your story can make a difference and an impact in their life. That's right. Um, everybody. And so you just don't look at this and go, well, Adam, you're a pastor, so you get, and you're on a po- podcast, and you preach, and you got this audience that you can share this with, and so it makes a bigger impact than mine. No, it doesn't. That just happens to be the one that I'm in. Do you know where most of my impact is made? Most of my impact is made with individual people and small groups of people, not on some big stage platform. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing with any other Christ follower. There are people around you, and he can use that in a beautiful way. He can use your story in a beautiful way, and you'll be shining the – power of Jesus by displaying and talking about your weaknesses, your struggles, your disorders, whatever they are. Um, you know what I mean? And he yeah, can make, absolutely. He can make something beautiful out of it. Yeah. I mean, the most, like, think about think about the things that we love in life. Think about the things that we think are most beautiful when it comes to people. Like, get outside of physical beauty and all that. You know what we think is most beautiful is, is people who overcome things, people who share their struggles and mm-hmm. their victories in those struggles. Like, I mean... People that that succeed at um, you know in the worst of circumstances and yeah. things like that, like we we think those are the most beautiful stories ever, you know, yeah. ever. Like we were just in the Dominican Republic recently, and there was this boy that was with us who was a teenage boy, and um, he had the top part. He was a teenage boy. He's probably fourteen. The the entire top part of his foot was gone. Now I mean like. Everything but his ankle is gone. No toes, no foot, no nothing. Just like a like a heel was there, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was with us on the beach. And we were hanging out with him the whole day. You know, I never noticed until the very end of the day that he didn't have a foot. Um, and then when he got to share, when we actually found out about it, and he shared with us what happened, to see him walking around and it didn't, it, you know, you didn't even notice it. Um, to see him swimming and swimming better than me, and I got two feet, two big old feet, and you know, it, it was it was beautiful. Like it was this beautiful thing, you know what I mean? Because because that's what we think's most beautiful in life is these stories of yes, there's hardship here, but look what God's done. Look where I'm at. You know, that's the things we think are beautiful. And so, you know, you can you can let this mess ruin your life, and anxiety will be. Uh, Perfect tool in the hand of the enemy to kill, steal, and destroy your life. Mm -hmm. Um, To steal, kill, and destroy. There we go. Is that the right way? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Steal, kill, and destroy. Um, But but or or you can 
place into the hands of Jesus, let his power may be made perfect in our weaknesses and boast in that crap and it turn into the most beautiful redemption story in the world. You know what yeah. I mean? And people identify with that, man. I mean, they really do. Um, there are so many people that I don't know if we gave any statistics. I think we did in the very beginning of this that about 50% of people suffer with a diagnosed mental health issue. Um, that's a lot of folks. And the big two are anxiety and depression. And they go hand in hand. They're like they twi- they're like twin brothers. And so, man, that's a lot of people that struggle with these same things, that if you lead with that, you share your story, you let God work in it, hold you, love you, you grab a hold of that promise that uh, that Jesus gave Paul like it's your promise. Yeah. You know, my grace is sufficient. My grace is going to cover all your anxiety cracks. It's okay. We don't have to take them away because my grace is sufficient enough to cover them all, and my power is made perfect in weakness. Um, so let, let me transition. Um, Steph, unless you got something else with that before I move on. You mean like just with what you're saying yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah, just anything. No, you're good. Okay, all you're right. Good. So let's move on to, so what do we do if our friend is struggling with anxiety? Let me give you some just helpful, quick, practical ways that you can love them like Jesus loves them. All right. Uh, number one, treat them like a person, not a project. They're not a project. They're not somebody with some issue that you need to swoop in and help fix. They're, they're not a project. We can never look at people in whatever their situation is like they're a project that, you know, that needs, they're a task that needs our attention. Like we don't look at people who are homeless or poor. Um, we don't look at people who have developmental disabilities as a project. Um, they are first and foremost a person. That's right. So the first thing you do is you treat them like they are a person. Um, that's one of the best things you can do to help anybody that has an anxiety disorder. Because um, if you treat them like a project, then you are defining them by what they have, by what's, what's wrong, right? Just like if you treat somebody with a developmental disability like they are, like if you treat them based on that, you're defining them by that. And they're more than a handicapped person. Right? Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and somebody who's poor is more than a poor person. Somebody, you know, you're dismissing their entire being as a human, right? So the first thing you do is you treat them like they are a person. That's what Jesus does. They're not a pro- Jesus don't look at us like we're a project to be saved. He looks, like us, he looks at us like we're a person. Mm-hmm. There's genuine love there. It's not just to fix us or help us, right? There's the love for who we are. And so first off, you treat them like a person, not a project. If you know somebody that's struggling with mental health issues, a friend of yours, a family member, you pray for them and you pray with them. Yes. Pray for them. You lift them up before the Lord whenever you think of them, right? Paul has a famous verse. It's like a, it's like a, uh, I think it's an intro or an outro in one of his letters to the church. And it's just this quick little flute, you know, if you, if you notice all those letters, there's a, there's a salutation you know, in the beginning, in the end, you know, in the closing, mm-hmm. and you'll just fly past it if you're not looking at it because it's just basically like hey, him going, hey, this is who this is. I'm Paul, right? And then and I'm writing with these people. We've been at these places. And then he gets into the meat. And at the end, it's the same thing. He's like, blessings upon you, blah, 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 blah. In the beginning of one of those, I don't remember which one it is, he's like, um, he, he greets them and he says that um, th- to the saints and blah, blah, we've been praying for you, right? And and don't don't forget how significant that is. That we would be, that we'd be constantly praying for someone. That we're lifting them up, 
um, before God constantly, right? It's one of the best things you can do for another human being is actually pray for them, you know, especially by name. If you know someone, if you're listening to this and you know somebody who's struggling with anxiety, pray for them. Like, like take their name and their person, not their issue, take them and their personhood before the Lord. And then I'd say pray with them. If you get an opportunity around somebody who struggles with anxiety and you just say, hey, without embarrassing them or anything weird, you know, and you got to have permission to do these things, right? You know, you got you to invest it in somebody enough to have permission to do these things, right? But I, this has happened to me multiple times where somebody who has invested in my life, they know I'm struggling with anxiety. They'll say, hey, can I, can I pray? They won't just say, I'm going to pray for you, Pastor. I'm going to pray for you, Adam. They'll say, can I pray with you right now? You know, um, that's a big deal. And I think we should we should do that for people that struggle, right? So we we first and foremost treat them like a person, and then we pray for them and we pray with them. And then lastly, check up on them. Mm-hmm. Check on them, right? Check in. You have a really easy way to do that now called a text message. And I'm telling you, have you ever had those moments, Steph, where you're just having a bad day, something's going on, maybe it is the anxiety or whatever, and then out of the darn blue, like out of the blue, somebody, a friend, somebody sends you a message and go, hey, just thinking of you, right? Well, just, you know, you were just on my mind. How you doing? You ever had that happen? Happened yesterday. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, and it's just like, it's like almost like God just out of the blue is just reminding us that he's with us. Um, one of the biggest things you can do with somebody who struggles with anxiety is check on them, right? Just check on them because they're going to give you a front most of the time like everything's fine. Um, but you feel that prompting in, the, in your spirit to check on them? Do. I mean, a, a quick text message that says, hey, thinking of you, how's it going, is a big deal. It's a big deal. And it can lift somebody's spirit. It can change what's going on. It can help their mood. It can also just remind them that God is there with them, that God's for them, and that he's that He's He's not only thinking of them. He, he's not only on – they're not only on God's mind, but that he puts them on the mind of other people too, you know? Mm-hmm. And, you know, half the time I'll get those things where I'll be like, hey, I'm just thinking of you, checking in on you, whatever. And I may not say much back other than, oh, thank you so much, right? This was, this was needed. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, how did they know that at that moment I needed somebody to say, I see you? You know what I mean? And that's really what you're doing is you're saying, I see you. You're seen. You're loved. You're heard. You're being thought of by other people. Anxiety has this – anxiety disorders have this way of – isolating you and making you think that, you know, nobody cares. Um, depressive disorder is the same way, right? And yeah. Nobody really cares. Nobody really notices. And then just a random way when somebody checks in on you, um, it's a way of you just saying, I see you. And that is that is bigger than you realize. And so if you know somebody that's struggling, let's go over them one more time. Treat them like a person, not a project. Pray for them and pray with them. And then lastly, check up on them. Check in, right? Um, now, what do you do if you are struggling with an anxiety disorder? All these things we've been talking about the last two episodes. Uh, number one, seek counseling. Like find someone official to talk about these things. You can start off with your pastor. That's fine. Don't hang out there long, right? Don't hang out there long. Most pastors are trained in basic pastoral counseling. They are not psychologists and counselors. Um so see them like I will I will meet my rule is I will meet with anybody in the church as long as they're willing to wait a little while, right? Like can't be like I need you right this second, right? If they're willing to wait a week, sometimes it's two weeks, whatever it is to fit in the calendar, just like you would if you called somebody else, I'll meet with anybody in the church. 
But when it comes to like counseling type issues, I'm going to meet with them once, maybe twice before I refer them to somebody who has expertise in that area, right? So first thing is seek some counseling, right? There's nothing wrong with it. Every single human being that I've ever met needs counseling. Mm-hmm. Every person, right? There's nothing wrong with it. So don't let the enemy lie to you and say it's weird. Don't let the enemy tell you that, oh my goodness, it's going to take you forever to be able to open up this person. And how are you going to be able to share? What if it's the wrong person? You know, can I trust these confidences? Don't All that mess is crap. You'll realize the first second you get into the counseling session that the enemy is just trying to keep you away from it. And let me share this real quick. Yeah. So I'm 31, and I've always wanted to do therapy, but I never made yeah. time for it. And I honestly didn't know if I could afford it. But my job offers five free sessions. So I was like, you know what? That's a time to get started. Yeah. And I wanted to get started before I got married, but just... Everything was going on. And then finally, when we started this series, I was like, okay, I'm signing up. So I signed up and I've already had a couple of sessions. I'm and proud of I you. love it so much. So let me encourage everyone else if you can and you have the resources, please do it. Yeah. It's, and, it's important. And all those things that your mind told you or the enemy told you, mm-hmm. they're all crap. You yeah. know what I mean? Like all those reasons why you shouldn't do it, they're yeah. all crap. Right. And I will say this, when they, when the lady was like, tell me about yourself, it really took me a minute. I was like, I got to talk about myself. <laughs> so just be ready. <laughs> it's cool, man. It's different having somebody who is, ob- they're objective, yeah. right? It's not like talking to a friend or a family member. They're subjective. Like it, they're, these people are completely objective. Like they're outside yeah. of all these things. And so they don't carry the same baggage. They don't know the same background. Like they can give you an objective understanding and a place to be safe just to talk yeah Um, and and by the way most employers offer something like that there are plenty of places that offer sliding scales also by the way Um, most major insurance health coverage covers for it and gives you a copay so the vast majority of insurance companies even if you have crappy insurance like me and valerie do um each session will be fifty dollars or seventy five dollars or something like that and there's lots of people who will say Oh, I can't afford that. And I'll push back and go, I don't think you can not I don't think you can afford not to. You know what I mean? And I think that you'd be better off spending fifty bucks on that copay to go have some seek some counseling than you would be fifty dollars for one uh trip to Chipotle with two people. Right? You know what I mean? Oh like, yeah. If you, you know do some Chipotle trips that week you can afford a session. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's just you gotta decide what's a priority. And I'm telling yeah. you, I'm telling you, once you taste real counseling, um, there's nothing like it. It really isn't. And the enemy, man, I think he gets pissed. Like, he got pissed off when you finally showed up. Yeah. Right? Because he's like, dang. She's going to realize that all that stuff I said was just lies, you know. Yeah, she cried with a therapist. (laughs) She ain't crying by herself. (laughs) Dang. I want to keep you isolated. That's what the enemy wants to do, right? Um, So, number one, seek counseling. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't don't buy into the stigma that there's something wrong with it. Uh, Number two, find community. Find Mm -hmm. community. Anxiety grows in isolation. Find community. Find people that you can be yourself with, that you can talk to about these things, that talk to you about these things. It's not just you, but it's you helping them, them helping you. But you need to find community. We were not meant to do this life alone in any way, shape, or form. And if you want to combat your anxiety, you do it in a group of people, at least one, two, three friends, whatever it looks like, but find some community. Um, Number three. If you're struggling with mental health issues, um, specifically with anxiety, meditate on God's word. Meditate on it. Uh, Philippians 4, 6 is like the anxious person's go-to Bible verse. Don't be anxious about anything. 
Instead, in prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God, right? Like, take everything to him. Don't be anxious about anything. Instead of being anxious about it, pray about it and take it to the Lord, right? Share with him. Petition him. Be thankful, right? And give that to God. Um, Meditate on God's word. So you take a verse like that. And meditate on it. Now, meditate comes around, comes across as some weird yoga centric thing where you're sitting around on your, um, like a Buddha statue with your hands up like this. My kids do it all the time. I'm doing it right now. Uh-huh. Their fingers like them, like oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we get that picture of meditation, like it's some. It's not. Meditate in the Bible. That word means, literally, means to chew on it like a cow chews on cud, right? And the way a cow chews on grass on cud is they chew on it, they chew on it, they chew on it, they chew on it, and then they swallow it. Then they regurgitate it back up. They mm-hmm. chew on it some more, chew on it some more, chew on it some more, swallow it. Every time they do this, they do it at least four times. Every time they do it, they are they are that their teeth are masticating out all the nutrients that they can get, right? And then they bring it up again and get more nutrients, bring it up again, get more nutrients until you end up having a cow patty. If you've ever seen a dry cow patty, this is weird. If you've ever seen a dry cow patty, like it's it's dust. Uh-huh. It's literally because it's because they've gotten they've gotten every bit of nutrients they could possibly get out of that grass. Meditating on God's word is like chewing on it. It's just saying it to yourself over and over again, repeating it, repeating it. Like I say that verse to myself all the time. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't be anxious about anything. Right. Instead, pray about it. Instead, pray about it. Instead, pray about it. Like, I'm constantly saying that to myself over and over and over again. So meditate on God's Word. It doesn't have to be that just that verse, right? It could be anything. Yeah. Um, like, meditate on what we just said before. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. You know, His power is made perfect in weakness. Jesus' power is made perfect in weakness. Just meditate on those things over and over and over again. Um, number four, honor your physical health. Your physical health is tied to your mental health. There's a gazillion studies that prove this. The Bible talks about it frequently as well. Um, the if you if you work on your physical health, it improves your mental health. If your mental health is struggling, your physical health probably will too, and vice versa. And so, I've just started to learn this because I had to focus on my physical health more with his heart issues I had, and I found that my anxiousness was better because I was eating healthier, sleeping sleeping better. Working out, even though I despise working out, and I'm, I'm horrible at it. Right now, I'm in a failure mode, like I ain't done it in forever. But when I do, my mental health issues are better. Mm-hmm. So honor your physical health. That's number four. Here's the last one. And this was the most important one. We'll stop this episode because Lord knows how long we've gone. All right. Number five, last one. Start small. Like, start small. You do not have to solve everything at once. If you start with too many things, you're going to get overwhelmed and you're going to fail at it. Start small. You don't have to fix all things at one time. Give yourself some grace. God gives you grace. So should you. When I listen to that verse, when I meditate on my grace is sufficient for you, Mm -hmm. if I keep saying it over and over again, you know what I end up realizing? God gives me grace. God gives me grace. I should give myself some grace too. Right. So start small. Don't look, don't despise the beginning of small things. Take one little step. If that one little step is you talk to a counselor, 
give yourself some grace, pat yourself on the back. You're doing a good job. You don't have to fix everything at once, right? If you're sitting here going, all right, all right, I got to fix my mental health. So I got to find a counselor right now, and then I got to find some scripture to meditate on, and then I got to I got to start working out because I got to work on my physical health too. If you start trying to tackle all those, you'll never get through them. Start small and celebrate those small successes, right? The the battle in mental health is not something that you can just uh, control. It is something you have to manage. And you do that one little step at a time, one little small step. So um, you don't have to solve everything at one time. And remember that. And God knows that about you too. Right? I mean, the whole, the whole process of our sanctification, us becoming, not saved, but us becoming more and more like Jesus, is one teeny little step at a time, right? Mm-hmm. He's, not asking you to, he's not asking you to take huge leaps and bounds. He's asking you to take one little step in front of the, in front of the other. One little step, one little step, one little step. You know, here's, here's a good example of this, and then we'll stop. Um, Steph, you know how when uh, a little baby starts walking, right? So, like... They might be 10 months old. They might be 12 months old. Our, our, our boy, Aiden, was walking at like eight and a half months. Our oldest daughter, Olivia, didn't walk till 15 months because on her first birthday, her birthday party was over with, and uh, everybody had left, and it was just me and Valerie, and I think it might have been a grandma, and Olivia was holding on to my little fingers, and she was taking a step, and she slipped out of my fingers and fell face first on the floor. And after that, she didn't want to try to walk no more. She so learned she, her lesson. She was like, <laughs> she was always a cautious kid. So she didn't walk to 15 months. Have you ever seen a baby walk? They start taking their little steps. They usually only take one or two. And then they fall down. And they look clumsy doing it because they don't know what they're doing. Like it's the first time they've ever walked, right? And they, they just, they're, they're like bumbling and they're barely standing up and their feet are barely moving. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, they, and then they fall down. Nobody looks at that baby who takes that first step and goes, you idiot. You should know how to walk by now. What's wrong with you? How can you not walk? You know what I mean? Nobody does that. You know what everybody does? That first little step, they celebrate it. They're like, oh, my gosh, you did it. Right? Mm-hmm. When that baby won't even have I won't even what you call walking. But it was a step, and it was celebration there. That's how God sees us when we take any step towards him. Even if there's a fall afterward, even if we're just figuring it out. He sees it. He celebrates it. We should do the same thing with ourselves. Start small, one little bitty step at a time. It's okay. You listening to this episode right now all the way through is a small step you should celebrate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's all I got. That wraps up our anxiety stuff. What do you think, Steph? That's amazing. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. It's we a great second long, part. Well, yeah. you got to count the long. minutes it took to start the episode. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're at like 40-some, 7, 42s. I don't know, a lot. So anyway, long episode. Next week, we're going to come back with uh, the last two. We'll hit two more in the series, uh, 135 and 136, and we're going to be talking about suicide. So uh, bum, bum, bum. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty heavy topic. Which we topic. definitely need to talk about that. Yep, I agree. But anyway, thanks for joining us. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll talk to you soon. See you later. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Messy Walk podcast with Pastor Adam Cook. Make sure to follow us for future episodes that will be posted regularly each Wednesday. Have a good day.